0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Love God, our first week of Vision Month.
1: This is wild. This is wild. Vision Month. You see our shirts got 2020 on them. It's August. Like 2020 is halfway over. We should have made these shirts in January, Right? What is going on? It's time to start thinking about 21, right? We should start be projecting vision for 2021. But here's our thing. You notice on the back, I'm trying to remember what all it says. Vision, it ain't over. We ain't done. Knox burning, right? It ain't over. We ain't done. I... I don't know how many vision months we've had um, since we've been a church, but it's weird that I have more expectation for the last five months of 2020 than any vision month we've ever had as a church. And we shouldn't. If we would pay more attention to the news But we can if we pay less attention to the news And more attention to the truth So I have great vision For 2020 And that's good because without vision People perish But with vision, happy are we Amen I was listening to when we were in worship The song said Christ before me, Christ behind me. And I'm thinking, what is there to dread if Christ is before us? To live is Christ, to die is gain. So you got two options for the rest of this year, and they both sound pretty spectacular. You're going to live in Christ the next five months, or you're going to die in Christ and gain everything. Why would we be discouraged? Why would we be downcast? Lift up your head. This is going to be a good five months. There is absolutely nothing that can hinder or delay or ruin my next five months. Because it's either going to be in Christ and it's going to accomplish great things. Because, you know, there is no end to the increase when you're in Christ. So if it's in Christ, it's in increase. So there's going to be increase on this earth in my life through Christ in the next five months. Or there's going to be eternal increase that supersedes anything I could ever think or imagine. Either way, it's looking good. My future is so bright, i got to wear shades. (laughs) I'm encouraged as I came in today. And noticed all the cars having to be parked in the gravel. I think there are some people up here on 8109 Sharp Road today that agree that it ain't over. And that we ain't done. That's exciting. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3 says, and then God answer, write this. Write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run, okay? Write what you see, write this vision so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait and it doesn't lie. It seems slow in coming. Wait, it's on its way. It will come right on time. So we have a vision, and we want to write that vision plain in big block letters so that the people who read it can run. We don't want you to have to stop moving forward to try to figure out what the vision is. We want you to see the vision while you're running ahead. We want you to be able to just glance every now and then and say, okay, what's next we don't need to have a six-week series on it and try to figure out what we can do in the next five months. Let's just talk about it real quick, look at it in big block letters, and let's go for it. We don't have time to sit around and debate and delay. So this is what we've done. Our vision is to love God, love people, and live truth. Redemption Life Church exists to love God, love people, and live truth. It's complicated. Not. I thought I'd make it even more simple, so I drew some stick figures. <laughs> love God, all right? Just love him. Just put your hands up and love him. Love God. Love people, all right? And live the truth. Live the truth in your homes. Live the truth in your church. Live, live the truth in your workplaces, And so these are the ways that we try to accomplish that, love God through our worship encounters. We try to bring people to a place of intimacy with God where they reciprocate who first loved them and love him with their life. We have life groups so that we can love each other and connect. And we have serve teams where we can live out what we've learned and we can serve other people. And so that's what we're going to be walking through over the next few weeks. But specifically today... I want to set where we are for this vision month that's different than every other vision month. And I want to just look at these hashtags. It ain't over. I know we just love to use slang words. It's fun. It ain't over. Look at Isaiah 52.6. Isaiah 52. Actually, we're starting in verse 4. Again, the master God says, Early on, my people went to Egypt and lived. Strangers in the land at the other end. Assyria oppressed them. And now, what have I here? God's decree. My people are hauled off again for no reason at all. Tyrants on the warpath, whooping it up. And day after day, incessantly, my reputation is blackened. Now it's time that my people know who I am, what I'm made of. Yes, that I have something to say. Here I am. This is a time when the Israelites were in, oh my gosh, I just went blank, Babylonian captivity. The Israelites were in Babylonian captivity, and God is talking about the years of captivity. They were in Egypt. They were oppressed by Assyria. All of these tyrants, all of these um, powers that opposed God's people were whooping it up day after day, incessantly blackening his reputation. But it's time that my people know who I am, what I am made of. Yes, that I have something to say. Here I am. Look at this. I stumbled on a new translation, The Voice. Isaiah 52, 1 through 6 from The Voice. Wake up, fair Zion. Dress in your strength. Put on your most elegant clothes. O Israel, holy city, never again will outsiders, uncircumcised and the unclean, who once abused and denigrated you, move within your elect borders. So brush off any dust and dirt. Rise and take your place of honor, Jerusalem. Loose the chains from your neck and raise your head in freedom, captain children of Zion. For the eternal has to say this. You were taken for nothing and and it's nothing for me to get you back. For the Lord, the eternal has this to say. My people willingly went to live in Egypt long ago, but now Assyria has oppressed my people for no good reason. So what now? Babylon has assumed it can simply take my people away with no recompense and no respect. Their tyrannical rulers, jeer and cheer, continually deride my name. I love this. Verse 6, this is God. Well, it's not over. My people will know my name. And at that time, I determine my people will see again who I am. I will tell them, I am here and I am ready. I don't care how much willingly we've went away into captivity. I don't care how many bad choices that have led to our bondage. I don't care how much we've given way to fear. I don't care how much we've informed our ideas based on the cultures of the world. I don't care how much we've informed our fears based on the media and technology and what hearsay that has come to us. I don't care. How far that we've lend our agreement with lies of the adversary. God says it ain't over. My people will know me. And they'll hear me say I'm here and I'm ready. So I say today that it is not over. I just have a hard time keep saying it. it ain't. It is not over. God says it's not over. Look at Luke twenty-one five. Some of the disciples remarked about the beauty of the temple. They pointed out all the lovely adornments and how it was built with excellence from the gifts given to God. Jesus said the day will come that everything you admire here will be utterly destroyed. It will all become a heap of rubble. Master, tell us, they asked, when exactly will this happen? Can you tell us what warning sign to look for When it's about to take place Jesus responded Deception will run rampant With many who will appear On the scene Saying I have sent them Or saying about themselves I am the Messiah And the doomsday deceivers You just say that with me The doomsday deceivers Will say the end of the age Is now here The doomsday deceivers will say the end of the age is now here. But listen to me, don't be fooled by these imposters. There will also be many wars and revolutions on every side with rumors of more wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for these things are bound to happen. This is still not the end yet. It ain't over there is still time for a remnant to do the work of the kingdom it is not over it is not over it is not over and we ain't done matthew 24 13 says staying with it that's what god requires stay with it to the end and it ain't the end right Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry and you'll be saved. All during this time, the good news, the message of the kingdom will be preached all over the world. A witness staked out in every country. And then the end will come. So it ain't over and we ain't done because we don't have a witness staked out in every country. The gospel needs to continue to be preached throughout the world. We ain't done. James 1:12, your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. Raise your bar of expectation, even while surrounded by life's difficulties. If your faith remains strong, say if if your faith remains strong, if you will raise the bar of expectation, if you'll quit trying to see if you can get a 10 and look for a 20 out of 20, God will meet you there. He will come through to the degree that you expect him to come through. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will experience continue to experience the untold blessings of God. Unless there's a pandemic No, it didn't say that. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. Philippians 1.6, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began his glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches To it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. It ain't over. He's not done and we're not done. He's putting finishing touches on us, He's bringing maturity to us. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. It's not time to run and hide. It's time to be the church like never before. It ain't over and we ain't done. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. We have to be a light. We have to be a city on a hill. I believe this is a body of people that will take the command, take the charge that it's not over and we're not done. It's time to move forward it's time to continue the work that God has began in us because he will be faithful to complete it until the day of his return. So throughout this entire month, these next few weeks, the backdrop of everything we talk about is it ain't over and we ain't done until we see Knoxville Bernie with the glory of God. We're not done. I don't care how many fires we have to start. I don't care how many worship encounters we have to kindle. I don't care how many students we have to raise up in our school and send them out to other churches and other places so that we can see the fire of God go all over this city. Knoxville will burn to the glory of God. It ain't over and we ain't done. Love God. Week one. First step in our vision is love God. I'm just going to read straight from our website. Some of you may have never even looked at it. At Redemption Life Church, we believe that a person's love for God is directly proportionate to their revelation of his love for them. You ever heard somebody say, well, you just don't love God. You need to love God more. If you love God more, you wouldn't do that. If they knew God loved them more, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. See, our love for God is directly proportionate to our revelation of his love for us. We can't muster up love for God. We can only receive God's love, and we turn his love back on him. Because of this belief, Redemption Life Church removes misconceptions about God that prevent us from connecting with His heart. There is an assignment on this place, on my life, on Jahan's life, on this church, to remove misconceptions about God that prevent people from connecting to His heart. We have an assignment against religion and tradition. And things that make people feel like their dove's not good enough. We have an assignment to flip tables. We have an assignment to make sure that every person that wants to approach the throne of grace does not have to cut through the red tape of religion. Yeah. The mother of manipulation. Yeah. We host worshiping encounters. Worship events that reveal true identity as sons and daughters. We just had a camp this week. For students, we had 25 students there. We wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And I can unequivocally say we are 100% totally thrilled that we had worship camp this year. Teruah. We saw absolute transformation take place in the lives of many students this week. And seeds planted in every student this week. So we host Worshiping Encounters Every Teruah camp we ever have, every kid's day camp we ever have, every worship event we ever have is resounding, is, is singing, is throwing out, is walking people through, is taking people through identity and purpose and who they are because of who he is yeah. and because of his love for them. We're passionate about people finding true identity as sons and daughters. And we provoke connection with God on a spirit, soul, and body level. Provoke connection with God on a spirit, soul, and body level. I wanna hear a couple of testimonies. I want you to hear a couple of testimonies and I'll share some more in just a moment.
0: My uh, freshman year at Lee, I oh, uh, well, I went to Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. And after my freshman year, um, I felt like God was calling me to come back to Knoxville, move back to Knoxville, and um, to join with Redemption Life and with Redemption Music. And throughout my, that year, my freshman year, I, we were, I was traveling with Redemption Music, and, uh, and it was just hard to do both school and um, travel too. So and I definitely wanted to do more of the travel and music part. And so I was like very happy when God said, hey, go back and join with them. Um, and so uh, my sophomore year um, of college, I did online school through still through Lee, but I began to um, play and come to uh, Redemption Life on Sundays and still travel with Redemption Music. And it's weird. I first, I actually felt really called to the Redemption Music side and just the Redemption Life on, the, on Sundays was just like a, like a side, but then it just became... I think for all of us, God put it on our hearts to be the main focus. Um, I ended up going back to Lee my junior and senior year, but um, yeah. But now, and now I'm on I'm on staff. I guess they like me. You know, I guess one of the main things is I didn't realize how much, how much just religion I had, and how much lies I believed deep down, until. A lot of that just started unraveling, not in necessarily just a messy way, but it just kinda things just started to click and I was like, oh, I believe that. Wait, why the heck do I believe that? And um, it's just through the worship and and there's in Michael's teaching, there's just I remember there's always those little snippets that Michael says that God just kind of highlights, and they really shift my perspective on seeing God and seeing myself. <laughs>
2: I'll say, um, bounce off what she said, but the way that Michael delivers a message, yes. um, you you can understand what he's saying. It's not just preaching at you, he's preaching to you. Yes. And uh, that made a huge impact on me because I've always been a believer. In, just coming here just really opened up the floodgates for me. Just the the way he delivers and 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 preaches the messages is really really good.
3: <laughs> he he can teach you something that you've heard for years that you never quite grasp until he teaches that word, and then you are like, yes, and you understand the love of God and. He is an excellent teacher. Yeah.
2: He can take the the scripture and actually put it in what I would, would say layman's terms, Yeah. and it just really spell it out and with no no problem. It just, it, it's, yeah. Like it comes. Well, you always understand. To yeah. yeah, you definitely always. You fully understand. grasp what what the words say.
3: You you don't scratch your head and go, "What did that mean? What was he talking about?" You never do that. You understand the message that he is that was being taught because he's taught it to you in a way that you can understand, so.
1: Yeah, great job. Thank you. I meant to make a disclaimer before we played those videos, and I forgot, because I knew those first two videos specifically mentioned me and talked about me. Um, That's a little awkward, but... (laughs) I say it all the time, uh, whether people are going to receive what I share or people are going to encounter God during our time of worship, even though we have an incredible worship team, all of that is determined in the first 12 minutes of them being here. So before we start, so it's a team, it's a team of all of us, if they understand what I'm saying, so much of that is dependent on how receptive they are to what's being spoken based on the barriers and the, and the resistance that they've laid down when they came in and were met with such welcoming faces and love. And so it's so important. This isn't Serve Team Day, so I can't go into how much you can impact them by being a part of those serve teams. Um, If it was, I would elaborate on that further. Um, It's a good thing that it's okay to keep it simple because I'm not that smart. (laughs) You can understand hopefully when I speak because I don't know all the big words that confuse you. I don't know them. So so you don't have to worry about being confused. (laughs) And if I don't know them, I'll just make up something. It's kind of appropriate when you're a youth pastor. It's not as appropriate when you're an adult pastor. When I was a youth pastor and a name started with a G and I didn't understand it, I would just say, all right, guys, for fun, (laughs) I totally know how to say the name, but for fun... Let's just call this guy g Dog, <laughs> you know? And students love that. It's not, it's not as appropriate with adults. They kind of want you to be able to say a name. But I love the old acronym, keep it simple, stupid, right? Keep it simple. We need to keep it simple. If we're going to remove the misconceptions about God, We can't see how confusing we can make a sermon so that everybody knows how smart we are. If the goal is to remove misconceptions about God, we have to meet people where they are and communicate in a way that they can understand it, and they can see the heart of God from where they are. We've got to lower the bar. Wait, what? You said raise the bar. We have to lower the bar of encounter. And raise the bar of expectation. We want people to come in to a low bar of entry. People should come into this place and feel accepted and loved no matter what place they are in their life. Come as you are. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Thank you. Redemption Life Church, you are succeeding in lowering the bar of entry for people. Countless testimonies that I've heard and listened to and personally been exposed to. I go to Redemption Life Church because I'm accepted and loved and everything else builds upon that. So thank you. So we keep it simple. Hebrews 13, 8 9, Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. Don't worry about that. It is more beautiful to feast on grace. And be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules. In which in themselves have no lasting benefit. We're firm believers around here. We don't need to tell you every time you walk in all the things you shouldn't eat and you shouldn't do. But just show you a feast that you can partake of. That will cause you to flee from every other inferior thing. That's what causes people to love God. That's what causes people to want to surrender their entire life to him. Because what else could we possibly do? You alone have the words of life. Titus three nine, but avoid useless controversies. Genealogy uh, those things. <laughs> If there's, not, you know, if there's nothing else to laugh at, I'd like to just put myself out there because we're supposed <laughs> to laugh in church, right? <laughs> pointless quarrels and arguments over the law, yeah. which get you nowhere. Yeah. Let's avoid pointless quarrels about the law, which get us nowhere. Yeah. And let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the grace that's been provided for us. I love Nolan's testimony. There were things in me I didn't even know I believed, but they just came apart in a gloriously messy way. He said, not too messy, not in a messy way. He probably said that because it was messy, you know, and he just wanted to make sure y'all were not uncomfortable with the mess. You know, it wasn't messy, don't worry. I just lost my place. 1 Timothy 4. The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith, one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelation and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many, and their conscience won't bother them at all. They will require celibacy and dietary restrictions that God doesn't expect. For he created all foods to be received with the celebration of faith by those who fully know the truth. We know that all creation is beautiful to God and there is nothing to be refused if it is received with gratitude. All that we eat is made sacred by the word of God in prayer. If you Will teach the believers these things. You will be known as a faithful and good minister of Jesus. That's all I want to do. The anointed one. Nurture others in the living words of faith and in the knowledge of grace which you were taught. That's my assignment. Be quick to abstain from senseless traditions and legends, but instead be engaged in the training of truth. That brings righteousness. We cannot circle around. This is not a body of believers that is here to circle around tradition, circle around legends, circle around the good old stories, circle around what it used to be. We're here to learn the truth. The truth for now, the truth for today, the truth for the world that we live in and how we live it out and how we express the kingdom to the world around us. We cannot afford to entertain these vain arguments that cause those things that begin to fall off of Nolan to be set up in the first place. Let's watch some more.
4: We made our way to redemption through our son, who uh, was invited by a friend of his that attends service here. And um, he came home and he said, Mom, I think you need to go to this church. I think you'd really like it. And this was um, kind of an answer to a prayer for me. I had been praying for for a while um, for God to um, lead me where I needed to be. And, um, So when he offered the invite, I thought, oh yeah, we'll definitely go. So we came the next Sunday and we've been coming ever since. So like, you might not want to put this on camera, but this is odd. But anyway, so my son came and he's texted me during the service. He's never been exposed to um, a Holy Ghost filled church before ever. So I'm like, okay, God, we're just going to dive right in. You know, let me explain how this works. He sends me a text message and he goes, I don't know about this church, I'm just really not sure. And I go, what's going on? I'm texting him back. Like, what's going on? When he asked if he could go to church, I said yes. And then I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't even, like, maybe I was sending him into the belly of the beast. I don't know where he's going or anything. Let me see where I've sent him. So I kind of started doing some research and I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a Pentecostal church, like a, you know, Holy Ghost church. And he goes, I don't know about this woman. She's standing up here and it's like, she's a psychic medium or something. So, and I go, what do you mean? What's going on? And then it dawned on me. I said, it's fine. It's okay. She's prophesying. So um, that was, I was like, this is, yeah, because this is, these are the churches that I, this is the kind of church I grew up in. You know, he had never been exposed to any of that being Catholic, but um, yeah, we just, this is. It feels, um, it's home. It's home for us, you know, And and it's odd because it's been such a short amount of time. Since we've been coming here, because we we started in May, I think it was, yeah. was it May, and we've been here every Sunday that services have been held. So, and we 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 when it's not when when they're live streaming, we're we're streaming at home. So, yeah. Stevie, want to talk?
1: It's a calm, it's calming, isn't it? See, I grew up Catholic, and it was all it's kind of regimented, scheduled, and this is like. I mean, you see, everybody, all walks of life.
4: You're free yeah. here. I think that. Um, Nobody
1: judges you. It's
4: like. Yes. We talked a lot about that. I think this is. I, I've been. I grew up in church, was in and out of church my entire life. I've just recently kind of made my way back, um, oddly enough, during the pandemic. But um, I went home and told him, I said, it is. This is probably the only church I've ever been in as an adult where. I felt comfortable the second that I walked through the door. So that kind of confirmed for me that this is where I needed to be now because I, I probably felt more comfortable walking through the door here than I ever have.
1: I know something missing in our family wasn't I mean, it was, I don't, I can't explain it, but it was. It was God. You know, it
4: was God was missing in our family. We would never, I mean, like I said, we, we had kids and there's a whole back story to all that with our first one being born and everything. But, um, we had never been to church and that was, um, uh, you know, then the pandemic hit and it wasn't COVID for me. It was my spirituality for me. And so, um, yeah, it was felt like a failure. Cause I, my kids don't know what I know. And then, um, I spoke to Hannah down at the coffee shop and I was kind of telling her and she said, well, um, she was telling me that God is, um, you know, he restores time and that I, I kind of fell apart down there because I thought that's, you know, I don't, I, I know I'm okay now. I mean, I can make that time up. And then last night at the worship service, um, John said the same thing. He's a, he's a redeemer of time. So I was like, that's, you know, because it's been a big worry of mine and how I've failed and how I've, I've stayed in that for a while too, but um, I think I'm free from that now because I've, that's kind of, I think that was for me. I definitely feel like our, my first trip here, our first trip here was definitely a divine appointment.
3: Well, my mom drove a bus with Michael and so we were one of the OG families And when I started dating Dylan, I invited him a bunch, and he never came for the first little bit. Mm
5: -hmm. And then you
3: can tell the story about when you did come. Was it the first Sunday, or it was the second Sunday?
2: Well, when I got out of the military, I still didn't come for the longest time, and then you finally had gotten me to come, and... No, I had just fallen out of it for the longest time, and I just came back That's a chance. And uh, when I came back, um, I just remember Michael, it was down at the coffee shop before we ever came up here, got big or anything like that, and he just stood up front, and he was just like, somebody in this room needs to lay their life down today and, and kneel and give everything to God, and I was just sitting there and felt, you know, tug, really strong tug, Um, didn't do anything about it, went through the service, went home, I came back the following Sunday, Um, it was uh, the cheese and crackers service, I don't remember every detail about what the service entailed, I just remember John was singing and they were jamming up there, and uh, Michael stopped him. And um, he said, For this second week in a row, somebody needs to kneel, and I feel pressured to come up here and speak that again. And uh, I just remember dropping straight to my knees. Sarah was probably seven or eight months pregnant with Mason. My dad was beside me. It's one of the first times he'd been to church in years. And I thought I was saved before I got baptized when I was like 13, mainly because my mother pushed me into it. And I mean, I was, I was all for it, I've always believed, but uh, that, that was the day that Jesus, me and Jesus, each other real
3: hard my relationship with God has definitely been impacted like I mean complete 180 because well first of all they pretty much have taught me that a relationship is two ways you know you're taught a lot to just go and pray and you pray and it's one way and you're Please asking go, for stuff and you're doing this, but they've I literally opened my eyes completely to seeing go. and hearing um, and just actually equipped me a lot with tools, you know, to do that, to learn how to do that.
2: I think a big thing that has changed for me is my dad has started coming here. Since I, since I got saved here, I've um, also started going to school, well, going for uh, my bachelor's degree at Liberty University for biblical and theological studies. I just feel like it was a crash-collision course that literally smacked me in the face in the best way possible. So, uh, I've done a complete 180 from the day I got out of the military to where I am now.
1: Charlie's just wrecked me. (laughs) Oh, man. Keep an eye on the Oxley family. Keep an eye on the Oxley family. Four of their kids were at camp this week getting wrecked in the best possible way, as everyone's been saying. Keep an eye on the Oxley family. He's a redeemer of time. The Oxley family is about to lap some people. You're about to lap some people. Keep an eye on Stephen. I think you're about to lap your wife. She's been raised in this her whole life. You're about to lap her. God is going to just reveal himself to you in such a fresh, new, amazing way because you're a yielded vessel that's hungry for all he has for you. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Catch them up in your story, God. Catch them up. We were singing that song at camp, and... I think it means just catch me up in it, you know, like, just catch me up in it. But the Lord was just showing me during camp for some students, he's actually catching you up. That Redeemer of Time, is he's already been writing that story. All your days were written in a book. And right now, 2020, he's catching you up in the story. <laughs> Dylan, I don't care how long you waited. I don't care how long you put it off. You surrendered. Is he even here? Am I talking to the air? There he is. (laughs) He's catching you up in your story. He's catching you up in your story. All your life for his glory. We have to... Lower the bar so people feel comfortable like the Oxleys. Man, we felt so comfortable even though we were new. And we have to, what you pick up from both of those stories, we have to develop, maintain a prophetic culture. We have to be willing to stop a service and say there's somebody here for the second week in a row that needs to kneel. We have to be willing, Hannah, to see somebody at a coffee shop and say, He redeems time. We have to be willing to be a psychic medium to a young teenage boy. (laughs) He went from, I don't know about this place, this is crazy, to going home and telling his family, Y'all all all have to go with me next week. (laughs) Sometimes people want to come because you're awesome. Sometimes people want to come because you're weird and they want to watch you again. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) we'll take it. I think it's amazing. I really didn't even plan this. It'd be awesome if it did. I would be like a good speaker. But like, our three points for moving to misconceptions with those two first videos and just talking about tearing down religion and these guys and develop, developing a p- prophetic culture. Host worth-shaping encounters that reveal true identity in sons and daughters. Yeah, yeah. Host a prophetic culture that declares to people who they are on, yeah. when they come in. Yeah, yeah. One more. Play it.
5: Um, Hi, (laughs) Um, I'm Mary Elizabeth, I'm 29, and a little backstory to me getting to redemption, there's probably like a thousand little backstories in the grand backstory, but uh, I moved to Tennessee, um, to Middle Tennessee in June of 2018, and I lived in Georgia most of my life, uh, and I just felt stirred, that God was calling me to go somewhere new. And it wasn't really this big, grand, tons of confirmations type of transition. It just felt right and I went and it was um, the best decision I could have made. But I do know that in God calling me to move to Tennessee, I what I couldn't see at the time is that God was gonna begin to kind of unravel um, all my false comforts. Um, I had no idea, and it's only really been since I've been at Redemption that God has just like met me in His kindness and began to walk me through a really hard but beautiful, totally worth it journey. So I was in Murfreesboro and uh, came to a point uh, mid-last year, kind of like late summer of last year, where... was just caught in a situation and i knew that at some point god would be bringing me into a new faith family i didn't know what it looked like but um i knew that i was gonna need it and i knew um was just gonna trust him to lead me and in the midst of that uh, i come and visit redemption one day and i drive here and i weep the entire time in the presence of the lord and I'm asking myself, what is this place? <laughs> Where has an atmosphere like this been most of my life? And I left and it never occurred to me after that first visit last August that it would become my new home. Here I am like literally a year later, August 2020. Um, I had no clue what I was getting myself into in the best possible way. I. One day, I'm feeling so tormented. It was literally like one of the first couple days of January. I just moved here. And I have this moment where I'm like, all of a sudden, start thinking about the story of Nehemiah. And I'm like, what were those bullies' names in that story in Nehemiah? Like those guys that bullied him. I couldn't remember their names. I hadn't read the story in a while. But I was like, I swear, I feel like I'm like coming up against like those kinds of, uh, that kind of attack right now. And within like... 20 seconds of asking myself this I see this street sign that says Tobias Lane and all of a sudden I remember their names were Sambala and Tobiah and I have this moment of clarity where it just felt like everything began to slowly lift all the heaviness I was feeling and I felt like I was like I'm doing a Nehemiah work in you right now then it's been a couple weeks at Redemption and what do I find out? But that Michael and Jahan's whole like mandate for starting this church was all um, rooted in the book of Nehemiah and seeing God do a Nehemiah type work in the city. I found out, found out that Nehemiah's name means comfort. God is comfort. And I just slowly was overcome with this realization that um, while there was gonna be a lot for me to fight through and face and work through with the Lord, that he was bringing me into a safe place where i was going to come to know true comfort in the lord
1: um To foster a safe environment where people can heal. Mary Elizabeth knew she was going to need a faith family and she knew there was going to need to be healing in her life. I love that when she started her testimony, she said, All of the false comforts were beginning to be stripped away. And then she ends with saying, Nehemiah means comfort. And she's finding comfort and safety. To make a safe place for people to heal, we avoid isms. Emotional ism, traditional ism. Sometimes churches... um, become whatever the sign out front says and we guard our traditions more than we guard the truth. And so we're not a, we are a spirit-filled body of believers, which means we're Pentecostal. But we, I don't like the term Pentecostal because that was just one time One initial expression of the Holy Spirit invading and resting upon the lives of men. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to come in here week in and week out and recreate one event. (coughs) Sometimes in Pentecostal-ism, we get caught up trying to recreate the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. And make it look like the day of Pentecost. We evaluate our services based on how much they look like the day of Pentecost. What we don't realize was the day of Pentecost was the first day that the disciples were empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. But they lived many other days. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to do many more things that were no less powerful than what they did on that first day. And so I want to be Pentecostal. I want to be spirit-filled, and I want all that he has for us, not just one, I don't want to relegate it to one fundamental expression. So I don't want to say, boy, we had a good service today. We had all of these manifestations of Pentecostalism. And I think in our desire to do that, we've seen many people from broad backgrounds be able to come here and embrace the things of the Spirit without fear. They've found it to be a safe place that doesn't just say, this is what we do because of our tradition. If you're spiritual, you'll do it this way. But we walk with individuals in truth to discover and pursue the gifts of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit so they can walk in it and embrace it and demonstrate it to the world around them. I believe this is a safe place. You'll hear us here at times. Get up and explain what just happened. Explain what you just heard. Explain what you just saw. We do that to disarm the mysticism of it. I've had to wrestle through in my life. Powerful, powerful people and powerful men that operated in powerful gifts and women that operated in powerful gifts of the spirit. But we exalted those gifts so greatly that it made young boys and girls growing up in that culture seem less spiritual if we didn't operate the way that those men and women operated. Number one, some of those gifts were in my life, but they were in seed form, and don't discount the seed because it doesn't look like the fruit. But it can cause someone to get discouraged. Ask questions like, What's wrong with me? Ask questions like, Am I anointed? Am I spiritual? Do I belong here? Is the gifts, are the gifts for me? And we believe the gifts are for every believer. And we want to cultivate a safe place where you can go after those gifts and hunger for those gifts and operate in those gifts. One of my favorite seasons that I've ever been a part of was right before uh, this last semester on our wednesday nights we turned our wednesday night gatherings into a science lab i just saw the lord just showed me uh, the black tables did anybody remember the black two-seater tables with the bunsen burner in the middle that's the vision the lord gave me for what he wanted to do on our wednesday nights he wanted us to experiment and so we came in here and we just explored the heart of god And how he would be willing to operate through us in his gifts. And many people prophesied, not even knowing they were prophesying. Many people discovered that they could see and hear, like Sarah said. You can hear. You don't just talk to God, but he actually talks back to you through the Holy Spirit. So we want to cultivate a safe place. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 6, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see in Galatians 5, 9, don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? I love the passion translation. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? For sake of time, I'm going to just sum up my last little bit. It's easy to let the leaven of tradition and the leaven of systems, uh, of not systems, tradition. Oh my gosh, I can't think of the word. The leaven of tradition and isms, that's what I was trying to get to. It's not even a word, that's why I couldn't think of it. 11 of tradition and 11 of isms. What I was going to read a passage that comes around where Jesus is talking to Pharisees and they're questioning about why his disciples don't wash their hands when they eat. Why don't they follow the tradition of the elders? Pharisees want to hold traditions as high as truth. And they're not. Jesus said, Don't you know that it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out? Don't worry about what they eat, worry about what you say. Sometimes, in our efforts to keep up traditions, we lose truth. We lose what we should be focusing on by focusing on the wrong things. So, this is what we're attempting to do at Redemption Life Church. We believe that people's love for God is directly proportionate to their revelation of his love for them. And we want to remove misconceptions. We want to host worth-shaping events that people can learn their true identity as sons and daughters. We want to become a prophetic culture. And we want to provoke people. Spirit, soul, and body to go all in. That's an awesome vision for a church. But I believe it needs to be a vision for your life. We want to raise disciples that don't just do things on Sunday, but do things every day. Love God. And the only way you can do that is to keep opening yourself up to greater revelation of his heart for you. And every time you get another nugget, it's gonna just build the fire in you of love for him. He loves you with an everlasting love. You're the apple of his eye. He's passionate for you. He's at this moment interceding and praying for you that you'll just see, taste, experience, encounter, the greatness of his love for you and that it would permeate your life and it would manifest through everything that you do and that you say. We love you. We thank you for partnering with us in loving God and in hosting a culture that provokes people to love him with everything in them. Can you stand with me today? Somebody come play just for a minute. Yeah, you can't get away. She can't get away. Come up here. I don't know what she's going to do yet. But I just want us to end this day with just some adoration, just some love, some sweet love to God. Are you thankful that it's not just a vision of a church? Are you thankful that he has destroyed misconceptions that you do? Are you thankful that he's faithful to keep dismantling those things? When you didn't have enough sense to come to him like the prodigal sitting in a pig pen, he came to you. He let you come to your senses. He let you have a desire to be in relationship with him. He wooed you and drew you by his Holy Spirit. Are you thankful for that today? Are you thankful that he's spoken over your life more than a church can ever do, more than I can ever do as a speaker, more than a worship team can ever do? It's great for us to celebrate our church, and we need to be passionate about it, but it will never be able to completely encompass who God is. It's bigger than any church building. It's bigger than any pastor in any ministry. Are you thankful for God's love for you? That if you never found this building, he still would have came for you. He still would have got you. He still would have broke through all of the lies. He still would have climbed any mountain. He still would have knocked down any wall. Oh, I'm liking that right there. Some reckless love. She's not liking that. Okay, I'm gonna be quiet. If you love him, well, you just whatever she sings, will you just tell him how much you love him.
4: Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.